very lush green hill that overlooks the Hudson River and the Hudson River Valley. It is on that hill that the United States Military Academy stands, commonly known as West Point. The unofficial motto of West Point is, is that most of the history that we teach was made by those that we taught. And the graduates, the list of alumni of the uh, Military Academy there are a who's who of United States history. Great men that did great things. Astronauts, several astronauts. Astronauts like Buzz Aldrin. And of course generals like Custer and Lee and Grant and Stonewall Jackson. And then from World War I, General Blackjack Pershing. And then World War II generals like Patton and MacArthur. And uh, in more modern history, Schwarzkopf. All of those were people that came through. Two U.S. presidents, General or President Grant and President Eisenhower, were all there. But buried in the cemetery at West Point, among all of the notables that are buried there, there are two civilians, the only two, and they're the only two that have ever had that honor, buried with military honors at the West Point Cemetery. They lived just across the river from West Point. They lived in an island that has been called for the last couple of hundred years Constitution Island. That little island right across the Hudson River was full of history. George Washington built a fortification there to protect lower New York and New York City from the British in the Revolutionary War. One of the things that they did there is they drug a, a giant chain across the river to try to keep the <coughs> British warships from coming down into New York City. But one of the things that it's known for is these two civilians that are buried at West Point, lived there. They were two sisters. Their names were, last names were Warner, Susan and Anna Warner. Their dad had been a wealthy man, a wealthy businessman in New York City. And in the mid-1800s, he suffered in a financial downturn, a loss and collapse of his finances. And uh, he was able to move because their uncle was the chaplain at West Point. They were able, had purchased uh, the home there at Constitution Island at better times. And now they had to move into that home. And that's where Susan and Anna Warner lived. What's amazing about them is they begin to teach Sunday school. And those soldiers over at West Point would paddle across the river to get to their house to hear them teach Sunday school. Susan and Anna taught it until Susan passed away, and then Anna continued to teach it for several more years. In fact, the last year that she taught Sunday school, one of those soldiers that paddled across the river to hear her teach was Dwight Eisenhower. They made their living because they were prolific authors. In fact, they actually wrote some best-selling books and in one of the books that Susan wrote, she had asked her sister Anna to write a little poem 
to go in the book. And that poem was quoted in the book by a main character who was holding a child as the child was dying. And as he rocked that child back in two, from the pen of Anna Warner, he quotes this poem to the dying child. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Those women had a lasting impact upon the men that they dealt with, and it was from this simple truth. Jesus loves me. Over the years, you've heard me talk about Karl Barth, the great German theologian, and how when he came to the University of Chicago, someone asked him, how do you condense your theology into one phrase? Can you do that for us? And he said, that's easy. I can tell you by a little tune that my mother sang to me when I was at her knee. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Some people think that that's simple preaching. They think that's simplistic theology. I'm telling you, that is the greatest, the deepest, the finest, the richest theological truth that you'll ever hear from anybody, anywhere. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. It doesn't get any better, any richer, any deeper than that. There's some truths that we ought to know about God's love. First of all, we need to understand that God loves everybody. Now there is a, a uh, system of theology out there that doesn't teach that. There's a system of Christian theology that says that God, that Jesus only died for the elect. He only died for just a few. That there's a limited atonement. I cannot believe that God created men and women and boys and girls just to be kindling for the fires of hell. I believe what Jesus himself said, talking to Nicodemus in John chapter 3 verse 16, for God so loved, not the elect, but God so loved the world that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I believe what John the Baptist said when he saw Jesus walking along the seashore or along the river shore and said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the whole world. Jesus died for anyone and everyone that will believe in him. First of all, we need to know about God's love. He died for everybody and he loves everybody. And we need to know about God's love, that God loves the unlovable. Not only does he love the unlovable, but he loves us when we are unlovable. Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 8. For when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man some would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't die for us when we were all dressed up. He didn't die for us when we were clean cut. He didn't die for us when we were doing right, going to church, paying our tithes, reading our Bible, praying, drinking our milk, doing all the right things. He died for us when we were at our worst. 
He died for us when we were the least and the last and the lost. And you better be careful how you treat people in society that you deem unworthy. That we look down our pious nose and talk about how sorry and low down they are. You're talking about somebody that God allowed the precious blood of his son to be shed to purchase their salvation. And yes, it is good and proper and right for us to look on evil actions and say that's wrong. But don't you look at a sinner and talk about how low down and sorry they are. They're precious in the sight of God. And so are you and so am I and we're only here by the grace and the love of Almighty God. If you believe that, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. There are some people that live in such a way and believe in such a way, they think God loves us because we're saved. But I want you to know God doesn't love us because we're saved. God saved us because He loved us. There are people that preach the gospel as if the Father in heaven were some kind of ogre, some kind of mean, malevolent being that wants to just throw people in hell. But sweet Jesus stands in between us and the mean Father and says, not on my watch. But I'm going to tell you, that's not the gospel. The gospel is, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. God is love. God loved us. He loves everybody. He loved us and loves everybody when they're unlovable. And God loved us before we loved Him. In my humanity, I'll have to say, there are people that are friends of mine. There are people that um, are uh, acquaintances of mine. There are people that I enjoy being around. Not that I'm drawn to them, but they just think so much of me. Somebody said we don't have friends, we don't seek out friends that make us laugh. We seek out the people that we make laugh. We seek out those that make us feel good about ourselves. There's something about our humanity that love responds to love. And if we're loved, then we'll love back. But I'm going to tell you, God's love is not like human love. It's not phileo love. It's not the warm fussies. It's the agape love that God loves. And and the kind of love God has is absolutely obsessed with the object of the love. And they're not concerned about whether or not that love is returned or rebuffed. They're just love. And God loves. And He loves those that are unlovely. And the only reason reason that we can know him the only reason that we can love him he doesn't love us because I kept on searching kept on searching kept on searching till I found him no I'm the one that was lost he went on the highways and byways and got me out of the gutter because he loved me God loves me John 4:10. here in his love not that we love God but he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins we love him because he first loved us as much as I love that little song Jesus loves me this I know for the Bible tells me so I decided I took the liberty I talked to my pastor and he said it was all right I took the liberty to rewrite Jesus loves me according to our idea of God's love Jesus loves me this I hope, so I'll hold more tightly to the rope. If I can show that I'm the best, maybe one day I can find some rest. 
Jesus loves me because I'm good and always do the things I should. If you're perfect as you should be, then you can go to heaven just like me. Jesus loves me because I'm strong and never, ever do no wrong. If all my lessons I can learn, a trip to glory I will earn. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. For my emotions tell me so. Now that is not what we believe. But that is how we behave. It's not what we believe. But that's how we live. That's how we behave. I talked to my brother Travis this week and I read him this little uh, verse that I wrote. And he said, I want you to know that the struggle of my life is the time that I have wasted trying to get Jesus to love me. Trying to do enough to earn the love of God. I'm going to tell you folks, that might be something. That might be religion, but that's not Christianity. That's not salvation. Jesus loves me because the Bible tells me so. Oh, listen to the words again like you knew as a child. Jesus loves me, loves me still, though I'm very weak and ill. From his shining throne on high comes to watch me where I lie. Jesus loves me and he'll stay close beside me all the way. And if I trust him when I die, he will take me to my home on high. I used to sing this little song to Cameron and Katie when they were just children. And I'd go in and sing it to Cameron. And there was one verse that he'd always ask me to sing again. Three, four, five times. I'd sing it, I'd sing it to him. And he'd just say the phrase, the first phrase in the, in the course. He'd say, Daddy, sing, he who died. He who died. So I'd sing to him, Jesus loves me. He who died, heaven's gates too open wide. He will take away my sin. Let his little child come in. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. For the Bible tells me so. Aren't you glad to know that Jesus loves you? But how, how do you know that Jesus loved you? In my generation, there was a great female philosopher by the name of Whitney Houston. And Whitney Houston had a song that said, How will I know? And many Christians want to know that. How can I know? How do I know that Jesus loves me? There are those that depend upon what their conscience tells them. If my conscience says that I'm okay, then I know that Jesus loves me. But did you know that your conscience can be wounded? Do you understand that your conscience can be weakened? Your conscience can be wayward? Your conscience can be warped? Here's the way I know. I used to hear in the book of Romans where the apostle Paul said, there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit for the law. The spirit of life has made me free from the law of sin and death. I used to think 
where it said there's now no condemnation, that meant if I didn't feel any condemnation, that meant I was all right with the Lord. But then I understood this truth. I understood that I used to be in a category called guilty. I used to be in a category that I was guilty before God. I was under the wrath of God. But when I was justified by faith, God moved me from the category of condemned over to the category of justified. I've been made right by, with God through faith by the grace of God demonstrated on Calvary. So it doesn't matter what the devil says. It doesn't matter what people say. I've been justified and there is no condemnation to those that are where? In Christ Jesus. Outside of Christ, I'm still condemned. Outside of Christ, I'd still be lost. But in Christ, I am justified. Somebody says, well, I know Jesus loves me because I can feel him. I feel the current moving on the line. Boy, when we sing that song, I get tears in my eyes. Boy, when that preacher preaches, I get chills running up and down my arm. Thank God for all of that. But I'm going to tell you, your emotions can lead you astray. My emotions can be affected by what I had for supper. My emotions can be affected by whether or not I've had supper. And those that know me said, Amen. But listen to what 1 John 3.20 says. But even if we don't feel at ease, God is greater than our feelings. And He knows everything. You may know that scripture better than the King James. If our heart condemn us, God is greater than our hearts and knows all things. Philip Bliss, great hymn writer, also wrote a song about Jesus' love. But he wrote it as an adult. And as an adult, Philip Bliss wrote this. Jesus loves even me. Have you ever felt that way? It's wonderful to know Jesus loves me. But you ever had those days that you had to say, Jesus loves even me. Y'all see my beautiful wife sitting on the front row right here. I'm so proud of her. I'll have to confess, I'm probably going to get in trouble with this. I'll have to confess, when we first married, I thought she was beautiful. She was smart, attracted to her, married her because I loved her. But I will have to confess that when we first married, I didn't think she was getting all that bad a deal either. I thought we were at best an even swap. In fact, somebody in those years saw her picture in my wallet and they said, uh-huh, you outpunted your coverage, didn't you? I said, well, what can I say? God is good. And he was good to her. But as the years have gone by, 25 years and 85 pounds later. Oh, me, yeah, yeah. That, that, they knew, that's the, they knew who I was talking about. This thing on. 
There are times I look in the mirror with the wrinkles and the receding hairline, and uh, I'm, I'm growing in faith. I've got more chins than I used to have and all of that kind of thing. And I look in there and I say, Crystal loves even me. And I think that there are some of us sometimes we get a little bit cocky. And we sing Jesus loves me and we feel like, boy, he got a good deal when he got me. In fact, sometimes we'll even talk about people getting saved and we'll, we'll, talk, we'll, we'll put a value on different souls. We'll say, boy, I'd love to see so-and-so get saved. They'd be a good worker in the church. Man, if so-and-so could get saved... You know, I don't even know why they don't get saved. They live better than most Christians I know already. Boy, if we could get them, we'd really get something. Let me tell you something. When God popped the hood on us and kicked the tires on us, he did not purchase us because we were worth it, because he got a good deal. I'm going to tell you I'm a lemon and you're a lemon. He purchased us because he loved us. And there are days I look in the mirror and I'll have to say, thank God Jesus loves even me. Even me. You say, well, I know Jesus loves me when things are going good. I, I know he loves me because I'm blessed. Heard a preacher say this week, he said he was riding on the mission field and they had gotten over into a part of the country that was known for warlords and warfares. And as he was riding along, he said he actually envisioned some band of, of, of uh, warriors, of thugs, capturing them, walking them out into a field. And he said, I, it was like I heard the rat-tat-tat of the automatic weapons and saw myself fall. And he said, I begin to claim every promise in the book. I begin to believe and trust and claim and said, Lord, I know you're not going to let me die. I said, my family doesn't even know where I am. They just know I'm on the mission field, but they don't even know where I am. Lord, I know you're going to protect me and not let me die. The Lord said, how do you know? He said, because you love me, Lord. He said, yes, I love the apostle Peter, but he was crucified upside down. I love the apostle Paul, but he was beheaded. I love Stephen, but he was stoned. I love my own son, but I gave him on Calvary. We judge God's love. We're so spoiled. I am. I'm so spoiled that when things don't go my way, I'm so quick to make what's happening in my life a referendum on God's love for me. But here's what Jesus said in John 16, 33. These things I've spoken to you that you might have peace in this world. You will have tribulation. Don't be surprised. It's not all, ball's not always going to bounce your way. There's going to be some stormy days. There's going to be some droughts. There's going to be some problems. There's going to be some persecution. There's going to be some tribulation. That's the nature of this world. But be of good cheer, he said. I have overcome the world. Well, I've got to hurry, but I don't want to leave here without telling you this. How do I know it's not my emotions, it's not my conscience, it's not my circumstances? How do I know? Well, the song tells me I know because the Bible tells me so. That's how I know he loves me. Cameron came home from college uh, this week. He got a professor that's teaching him uh, literature. 
And I don't know why every literature professor out there thinks that they're a theologian, but they all do. And they're bad ones at that. The first day of the class, the literature professor got up and said, Well, you know, Moses couldn't have written Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. They're conflicting. In fact, this is what she said. She said, if you read Genesis 2, you'd think God was a jerk because woman was an afterthought trying to chip away at the validity of the Word of God. I want you to know if I'm going to believe God's Word when it says Jesus loves me, I have to believe what God's Word says about creation. I have to believe what God's Word says about sex. I have to believe about what God's Word says about sin. I have to believe what it says about society. I have to believe what it says about heaven. I have to believe what it says about hell. I've got to believe this Word of God because if I don't believe it and I don't believe every word of it, I can't believe it when it says Jesus loves me. I know I've shared this with some, but I remember a guy calling me one time when I was in a low period, I was going through stress, you know, at, at the church I was at, and, and I, boy, I got a call, phone call from another pastor, and he said, you've been on my mind, and it was somebody I didn't know all that well, you know, and boy, it just blessed me, it just picked me right up out of the dumps for, to know I was on somebody's mind, he said, I just wanted to call you, I've had you on my mind, how you doing? I said, well, I'm doing okay, got a few struggles, yeah, yeah, he said, well, have you ever thought about selling Amway? I'm going to tell you, not only had I never thought about selling Amway, but if I did, it wouldn't do me with that sap sucker. I'll tell you that right now. Had you on my mind. If the first thing out of a person's mouth is a lie to me, then I ain't going to trust them about anything else. And that's why I have to and do believe the Word of God. Because what's at stake is not whether or not there was a six-day creation. What's at stake is whether or not I could trust God. And I want you to know I trust it from cover to cover. I trust it from generations to revolutions. I trust it from Genesis to the maps. I believe this is the Word of God. It is the Word of God. It is forever settled in heaven. And I know Jesus loves me. And I know it because the Bible tells me so. That's how I know it. 2001, James and Sally Bracy of Virginia celebrated their 50th wedding anniversary. And along the time that they were celebrating their 50th wedding anniversary, she heard a song come on the radio that was their favorite song when they were dating. And their favorite song during the time that he was stationed in California in the army and she was back home living with her parents in Virginia. It was the early days of their marriage and their favorite song was a song called Once in a While. It had lyrics like this, Once in a while will you try to give one little thought to me? Once in a while will you dream of the moments I shared with you? I know that I'll be contented with yesterday's memory knowing you think of me once in a while. And she said that whenever he was in California, anytime she would hear that song, within a few days, 
a letter would come in the mail from her husband. And so around the time that they were celebrating their 50th wedding anniversary, they heard that song. And sure enough, within a few days, a letter came in the mail from her husband, postmarked January 1955. It had been lost for 46 years. And they were tearing down the old post office and found it stuck in the walls. And they forwarded it to her and she received that letter that had been written 46 years earlier. She said that you have to remember we were newly married and the hormones were raging, she said. And she said there were some things in that letter that my children are not old enough to read. They were in their 30s, by the way. <laughs> but here's what she said. She said, it's wonderful for read, to read the letter he wrote all those years ago, but it means more to me now than when he wrote it all those years ago. How do I know Jesus loves me? He wrote me a letter. And from a child, thank God for godly parents. From a child, I've sung, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. But can I tell you, 50 years later, it means more today than it meant way back then to know that Jesus loves me. Who can separate us from the love of God? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we're killed all the day long. We're accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through Christ that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Listen to me, friend. You can forfeit God's blessings. You can forfeit God's best for your life. I'm persuaded that you can forfeit heaven. He won't drag you there kicking and screaming. But you cannot forfeit the love that God has for you. I want you to know that you can be disqualified from God's plans, but not from His love. You can be disqualified from God's purposes, but not from His love. You can be dis disqualified from God's promises, but not from his love. They went into the cell of a prisoner who was believed to be criminally insane and scrawled on the walls. He had written these words, Could we 
with the ink the ocean fill. And were the skies of parchment made, if every stalk on earth was a quill, and every man a scribe by trade, to write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry. Nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. O love of God, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong, it shall forevermore endure. The saints and angels saw. I want you to stand, and I want you to rejoice as this wonderful old group sings, Jesus loves me. And we'll be back to close in a moment.
Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. If you know Jesus loves you, just lift up both hands. Amen. And why don't you just step out of your seat and come down to this altar and just gather in the front. Stand right across the front. Come on. Even if you're here and you don't know the Lord as your Savior, just come on. Come on. Everybody needs to praise Him. Everybody needs to love Him. If you've drifted away from Him, if your heart's not right with Him, He loves you. Come and worship Him. Come on from all over this building. Crowd in those on the front. Crowd in. Give room for everybody. Come on. Come on. Come on. Play it for us. Come on. Jesus loves Sing it. This Everybody sing it as you come. Jesus loves me, oh yes, Jesus loves me, yes, Jesus loves me, for the Bible tells me, just play it real softly, close your eyes if you will. If you're here and not only do you know Jesus loves you, but you've accepted his love and you are saved and you know it, lift your hand. Lift your hand. Praise God. Praise God. Now, if you're here today and you don't know the Lord as your Savior, or if you've walked or drifted away from him, lift your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. I don't know the Lord. Pray for me. Anybody? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. All right, lift your hands. I'm going to sing this verse, and then I want us all to sing this chorus together. Hit it for me. Jesus loves me. He who died. Heaven's gates to open wide. He will take away my sin. Let his little child come and sing it. Oh, yeah. without music. Let's sing it together. Oh, yes. 